It's it's negotiation to get the best that that is best for your client or your company or whatever, whoever you're representing. But it's not personal. It's about processing and getting to it. And you both walking out being okay with the outcome. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. When you hear the word negotiation, do you cringe? How do you prepare for an upcoming negotiation? Do you believe you are negotiating every single day? Do you consider the human aspect when negotiating? Well, my guest today is Russ Riddle, and he's appropriately known as the anomaly at law because he's down to earth, clearly communicates, and lavishes others with levity. What do Barney, the purple dinosaur, Thomas the tank engine, and you have in common? all have been served, or about to be, by Russ Riddle. Having practiced marriage for 37 years, law for 29, fatherhood for 28, and braved adventures as a juvenile probation officer and professional speaker, Russ is convinced that we must never stop learning, and my favorite part, and laughing. His love of levity stems in part from intellectual property law practice that has served such clients as Barney, Bob the Builder, Thomas the Tank Engine, the voices of Jimmy Neutron, and Larry the Cucumber, as well as many NSA chapters throughout the country. Russ currently serves on the National Speakers Association Board of Directors and the immediate past chair of the Editorial Committee for Speaker Magazine. He's the author of two books, Lawyer Up, The Smart Way, and Pervasive versus Abrasive, The Judges Have Ruled, as well as the Intellectual Property Manual, Corral your cash cow. We spend time the entire interview discussing the topic of negotiation, the fears, the strategy, the myths, and what you really need to know before going into a negotiating situation. Before we get to the interview, let's take care of a few housekeeping items. This podcast is part of the C Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, 
virtually or in person or on site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Now, let's get to the interview with Russ Riddle. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest today is, you know, I think people's last names say a lot about them. And my guest today is Russ Riddle. The word Riddle. He, he's got a great sense of humor. I mean, and he's a great guy, and he's an attorney slash speaker slash author. Got a wide variety of talents. So, Russ, first and foremost, thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me. Oh, my pleasure. I always enjoy speaking with you and to help you on your podcast. It's a, a joy and an honor. Thank you. And with that being said about last names, I do have a theory. We should have known because his name was Bernie Madoff. <laughs> and mine is pronounced Margaritas, which is which, a cocktail. Which we love in Texas. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm akin to having a little adult beverages every now and then. So there's something about people's last names. <laughs> uh, so I want to start off by asking this question. I, I went on your website and russriddle.com, and you've got a page there, Russ Riddle, Anomaly at Law, Scooby would say. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm the accidental accountant. Is that something like that? that Uh, Probably. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's a brand that found me. I actually have a registered trademark for it nowadays. You know, I would go to networking events. I would just be visiting with good guys like you and and inevitably, you get around to that question, well, what do you do? And I, whenever I said I was an attorney, mouths would drop open. And they would go, no way. You cannot be an attorney. You don't dress like one. You don't talk like one. You don't have an ego like one. I, I laughed a while ago. I kind of like you. You cannot be an attorney. And, of course, you know, they were talking about the stereotype that we all kid about. And there are some of those, mm-hmm. but that happened consistently. And then one day, at I don't even know what event it was, this sweet woman took my hand in both of her hands and she says, honey, you're really an anomaly. <laughs> and it was one of those light bulb moments, attorney at law, 
anomaly in law. Uh, and it just kind of fits because I, I'm not the stereotype, proud of that fact. And I think it served me well in my practice, but that's where it came from. Well, we do share that similar story because people say, ask me, you're really not a CPA, are you? I said, well, I still maintain my license, but I'm not very good at it because I'm the accidental accountant. <laughs> and, I, and they go, but you get a sense of humor. You like making people laugh. I don't get that from CPAs. I said, right. Not. And I have never seen a pocket protector in your shirt <laughs> or a calculator. You never will. <laughs> so you you're the anomaly at law so you do you have practice and you still practice yes and when i think of attorneys and i think even i think you how you describe it on your website many times a lawyer's first encounter with opposing counsel can be much like two junkyard dogs circling one another and wetting on the baseboards yeah <laughs> that's, the baseboards. that's what it seems to be like when you you start you you're that's my opponent if it's a case or if it's a negotiation. And it, you really, if you look at it that way, that's how it's going to kind of go. There's a better way to go about it. And it just that's one of the ways I'm different, I guess. So what's, what's your different way about going about it? Well, you know, it's it, kind of this conversation we've been having about my brand. I, when I was many years ago in my practice, I, it came upon a time when I was going to negotiate. And I'm a Texas guy. And I, the San Francisco attorney was on the other side and I hadn't met him yet. And he was coming to town. We were going to have this face-to-face conversation. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This highbrow Bay Area attorney is going to come to town. He's going to think I'm wearing a hat. My my horse is tied up at the hitch and post outside. It wasn't like that at all. This really nice guy walked in. But I decided I was just going to smile. That's how we started. I just smiled and he smiled back. You know, it kind of happens that way. Yeah. And we got along very well. And negotiations are about, you know, give and take. And both sides win a little and they give up a little. And that, but you know what? Before I knew it, I had negotiated mostly to my side what I wanted. And he was still happy about it. And I think it goes back to that smile. And in the end, when we were we were basically done and we were going to have to paper it, he says, you know, Russ, there are two kinds of lawyers, two kinds only, deal makers and deal breakers. And you, sir, are a deal maker. And I try to be, and I appreciated that. It was quite a compliment. Lawyers don't typically compliment one another, but it, it goes right to that anomaly at law. I think I took him by a little surprise as well. So what I'm hearing is one the power of the smile, mm-hmm. which doesn't which doesn't you know make people run it draws people in, and two even though you hadn't met that gentleman, that smile kind of opened it up to being oh we're human, and right. you probably shared a couple stories oh yeah and, and now you just started building a relationship right. You know, it's it's just all about a smile is is what I call relational elixir. You know, it really it disarms people because they come in, we're gonna have us a negotiation, you know, they're all ready for a battle almost. And if you start off with that smile, it's it's disarming. They let their defenses down a little bit. And it opens up the heart, mind, and ears uh, to hear what you've got to say. They're, they're not going to agree on everything that comes out of your mouth, but it opens them up to at least hearing it. 
and you know, a smile does uh, things inside of us too. We we get to feeling better and we feel better. We're on our A game. We're just more, you know, there's a, a law of likability. And far too many people forget that when they go into a negotiation or go into a confrontation, if you will, of any kind. They forget that the likability factor is in their arsenal and they can be used not, not to manipulate. And let me let me talk about that. <laughs> There's a difference in manipulation and persuasion. What would you say? Oh, persuasion is getting the person to see it from your point of, maybe from your point of view or from your vantage point, providing the benefits. Manipulation is just kind of using somebody. Yeah, you, you basically have it. It's at the uh, what's on your personal agenda. What's your intent when mm-hmm. you come into it? You know, persuasion is about persuading someone to do something that's in their best interest. Yeah, it may give you a benefit as well, but it's not all about you. It's about them. And manipulation, like you said, it's just to get them to do something because it's good for you. It may be in their worst interest, but you want them to do it because of you. And that, there's a world of difference between those two. And there's also a big difference between being persuasive and being abrasive. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that they think they're being persuasive when they're really being abrasive and they're cutting their own knees out from under themselves. Like you know, they start talking loud. They start talking over people. They start interrupting because they think that's going to win the day. And it's the exact opposite. And so that, you know, the smile is kind of like that. It's like they don't, they don't expect that. And it's just a kind human thing to do. I love it. And, and you said something so powerful that when we're persuading, it's not about us. It's about them. Right. And I think a lot of times we go into any type of situation that we're trying to negotiate, we're thinking solely about ourselves right. and not about the other person because we're viewing them from an adversarial position. Yeah, well, I mean, we're basically viewing them as an object, not a human being. You know, right. we want we want what we want. You know, right. we go in, and there's a lot of mistakes negotiators make. They go in thinking they're going to win. Negotiation is not about winning. It's about getting the best result for both sides. Both sides are going to have to give up a little bit. And so if you go in there with this winning mentality and this battle mentality, uh, it's probably not going to go as well as it could. I think when you go with that winning mentality, you're not really showing respect for the other party. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that I, I really harp on. But, you know, things I talk about with, with winning negotiations are there is, see, I use the word winning, but successfully negotiating, shall we say, is one of the things is respect. That's where you know, there's, there's so many ways a negotiation can go south. And one of the fastest ways is if you disrespect the other side. You may not like them. You may not agree with them. But as a human being, he or she's worthy of personal respect in the moment. Well said. Is it because the word negotiation just puts us in that mindset of at one point in time, we used to negotiate more than we do that win-win. It seems like a lot of it, it's win or lose. Right. And how did that, I mean, that mindset get changed? Well, I think a lot of us, particularly in the professions that you and I are in, professional uh, degrees, 
had to have licensure and all of that. You know, you you develop a competitive mindset. And I, I was just naturally competitive all my life. But you go into law school or you go in to uh, learn accounting and that sort of thing. And it's about class rank. It's about, you know, all it's all in, you know, you start competing. And I think it's just ingrained in us to want to be competitive. And there's nothing wrong with being competitive. But it's when you go over the top and you dehumanize the, the person on the other side, you don't respect them. You don't smile at them. In fact, you scowl at them. You, you like we were. T- you 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 walk in. And it, typically, a couple of lawyers they'll walk in. They start circling each other and growling and wetting on baseboards <laughs> to establish turf. And yeah, you know, it's. I'm being a little facetious, <laughs> but it's almost as though that's going on, and it's just it's stupid. It's not, yeah, okay, you need to zealously represent your side. Mm -hmm. But if you go about it in a negative way, you're going to get a negative result. And if you disrespect someone, you're pretty well done in having any leverage with that other person. If you don't smile, you know, there's a couple of other things. You know, I would say the the best tip to negotiation is to be the, the most prepared. Most of the work for negotiation happens before you ever walk in the room. Right. You've got to have thoroughly done your homework. If you haven't, and it'll become apparent, they will realize, okay, this person hasn't done their homework. I should be able to get a lot of what I want here. Or they feel disrespected just by the fact that you didn't treat it with the the importance that it deserved. You didn't put any time in. And so, you know, I've got a couple of checklists on the preparation side that one is about knowledge. It's about the facts and and all the players Mm -hmm. and and everything. You know, with the Internet here, we can do so much research and it's a small world. Mm -hmm. Chances are, you know, someone you're linked into someone Mm -hmm. that has dealt with this person or this company before. You can do all kinds of reconnaissance, if you will, and you should. But you have to go in prepared, go in smiling. And here's another thing. you got to be patient. I have seen so many negotiators come in and think, okay, let's get this done. Doesn't work like that. It's a a process, not an event. Again, that's a faulty mindset to think that you just go in and get it done. Let's talk about preparation. I'm an improviser, and people think I just make stuff up. And what I tell them is that's the last thing I do. I have to go in with that knowledge. That's going prepared, but I don't walk in with a script. No. And you can lose the negotiation by being too scripted. Yeah. You can lose in court by being too <laughs> scripted. I've seen attorneys have their list of questions mm-hmm. and they'll go down their list of questions. And and sometimes they're not even listening to the answers. Right, right. And I, I've had judges tell me that all the time. You know, he doesn't even listen to the witnesses or she is not even paying attention to the responses. And, yeah, you get lost in a script. You get lost in a list. But you you can have a, a loose outline. You can you can have, you know, a piece of paper. It's not that you can't have any notes. But don't prepare a script because you're going to get like deer in the headlights with that. Right. And you'll miss something. I mean, you've, you've got, you know, the one thing about you know, in the world of improv, you have to be an excellent listener and you have to be able to adapt to any situation. And right. if you've got this script running through your head and you're not paying attention, 
there might be that window of opportunity to go, right. You didn't, you didn't even hear it. Right. And, and they go hand in hand. You know, the prep before you get there is so important because you're looking under all the rocks and behind all the shadows and all of that to, to know as much as you can about the facts, the situation, the issues, the personalities, all about it everything that you can know that's relevant to what you're going to be talking about and also your strategy you don't need to be shooting from the hip with uh we'll offer this you need to think about Mm -hmm. what your start is going to be what what your walk away is going to be what you you hope to be uh, in the middle ground you know when the timing of when you put offers out there it's all you know it's in this it's not manipulation it's just playing the negotiation well, and you have to be careful. But yeah, you go in prepared, but that doesn't mean you talk all the time. Because right. to your point, you need to let them talk. Mm-hmm. The more you can have, the, the best prepared negotiator usually wins. And the negotiator who listens well, typically, and again, I'm using the word win, but you know what I mean. It right. goes, you get more of what you had in mind of getting. And they will tell you so much that they don't realize they're telling you. (laughs) If you'll just listen, just be in the moment, hear them. Don't be distracted. Don't be thinking about your next question or your next what you're going to say. They'll they'll feed you so much on a silver platter. It goes back to what you said, patience. Right. And here's another one that I see happen all the time is, is emotions. Oh. Yeah. You got to keep the emotions in check because mm-hmm. you start screaming, you start talking loud, interrupting and all that. It, you're done again. Mm-hmm. You've gotten to a place you didn't want to get. So you've got to go into it thinking about what your own buttons are, because if you don't have thought about that, they probably have. And they're going to try to push a button to get you off your game. And you just need to be just even kill. It doesn't mean you're you're a robot, but you keep those emotions in check. Be patient. Listen. Mm-hmm. Respect. But you walked in as better prepared. Yeah. Emotions. I read an article once that emotions will hijack every type of negotiation, every conversation, and it's the biggest time waster. Oh, yeah. And, and trying to put a deal together, trying to negotiate any position. And, and every time I think about that, I think about the movie Wedding Crashers at the opening scene where the two, where the husband and wife are getting a divorce and they're trying to sell up the property and they're just going at each other. And then one of the characters goes, Well, you guys loved each other at one time and that just removed all that emotion, made everybody human, and they were able to negotiate the deal. Right. Yeah. yeah you just, you got to step back. It's not personal. It's, it's negotiation to get the best that that is best for your client or your company or whatever, whoever you're representing. But it's not personal. It's about processing and getting to it. And you both walking out being okay with the outcome. But what if you're up against that person who's got a very healthy or overserved ego? Who comes in with the win-win mentality? Not, not the win. The, the the I win, you lose, and starts taking possibly personal shots at you. You don't. The first thing you do is you don't react. You respond in a very measured way, 
and say, let's get back to this point, this Mm -hmm. issue we were talking about and try to get them talked down a little bit. But if they just keep escalating, they just keep, especially if they start getting disrespectful Mm -hmm. and personal, it's okay to dismiss or, you know, adjourn (laughs) that particular session of the negotiation. Remember, I said it's not an event, it's a process. And for that day, at that given time, because of how they're acting, you've pretty much reached the limit of the productivity of that session. And so you have to say this in a very respectful way, though, even though they're very much disrespecting you, say, (laughs) you know, Peter... I can tell that you're pretty emotionally charged right now. And I think that we've gotten to the point that we've ended what what we can do productively today. So I'm going to call a timeout. Let's reconvene. I'm happy to do that whenever it works for your schedule, but we are done for today. Okay. So that takes, in essence, a tremendous amount of skill patience and knowing your own emotional reaction. That's why the preparation on the front end going in was so important. The thinking about, okay, my buttons are, and he's going to, he or she's going to try to push one of those buttons and I'm not going to let them. I mean, you may get in your car and scream the entire (laughs) way back to the office, but not in the session. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, that's, that's hard, especially if it's just coming at you. I think there's some point, and you, like I said, you've got to know yourself. Right. And you've got to have that self-discipline that, you know, it gets to the point and just changing that mindset of going, yeah, okay. Well, I here's what make- happens. You're, and it's like this in court as well. When you're cross-examining a witness or, or and you start getting louder and disrespectful to them and cutting them off, just yes or no. It's a yes or no question. You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. There's a, a famed attorney named Jerry Spence. And you may have heard of him. I don't know. But he teaches trial advocacy. And he uses the metaphor of a double-barreled gun. And one of those barrels is curled around back mm-hmm. pointing at you. Mm-hmm. And when you shoot the witness, so to speak, mm-hmm. or in this case for negotiation, you shoot the the opposing side negotiator, you're also shooting yourself because you're losing ground, you're losing leverage. You are really harming yourself way more than you're gaining anything by bullying that other person. So you, those emotions, is that's the undoing of a lot of otherwise good negotiators and lawyers. Right. So thinking about negotiation and thinking about different places that we negotiate, I think we tend to forget about we negotiate every day at work and what we do. All day long. All day long. And I haven't, well, I do have an annual performance review on my wedding anniversary every year. She (laughs) wants to exercise another year of it and she keeps exercising those years. Yeah. You negotiate with your spouse, your significant other, your partner all the time with your children. All the time with people in the marketplace, maybe with a police officer, if you're pulled over because you were misbehaving in traffic, with your boss, with your peers in the workplace, you're always negotiating. And some people say, no, I don't I don't do negotiations. Well, you're not living or breathing because if you're (laughs) you you are you just not aware of it. And that's a good point. We're not aware of it. So we need to raise that level of awareness. 
Right. And watch our, you know, I think we get so wrapped up in our days, we become numb to our surroundings and what we're doing versus taking a hard look at, okay, after this conversation I just had with my boss, let me sit down because that was a bad negotiation on my part. What did I learn from this? Right. Right. You can always ask the other side, what can I do better next time? Yeah. You know, always be learning. I think we're lifelong learners. If we're not, we're kidding ourselves. So, you know, we, we got to keep growing, keep getting better. There's no perfect negotiation. There's no perfect negotiator. Something that we, you know, when I teach a workshop on negotiations, I'm pretty transparent. Mm-hmm. To the attendees, participants, I tell them, look, what I'm teaching you or what I'm sharing with you are from hard lessons learned over the years. I've skinned my knees more times than I can count. And most of these lessons came in a moment when I was doing exactly what I'm telling you not to do. Right. I, and I do some of this, the same type of work. And, and the one thing I've noticed is if, if we're negotiating all the time, and we're getting late in the day, and I've got to go to somebody's office and have a conversation. And if I show up dragging tail and not coming in, you know, and not making an entrance, just kind of lollygagging in, I, I tell the guys, you're fishing a barrel. They're just going to keep shooting at you. You're, you're right. not coming with your A game. Yeah, you've got to be rested. You've got to have energy. And it's better to schedule it at a time when you will have that. You're not always in control of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. But to try to get it at a time, and if it's not in your prime time of day or evening, uh, you've got to get ready for that. You've got to change something about your habits so that you can come to that with your A game, so to speak. Amy Cuddy talks about presence. And actually, Mm -hmm. she does this in her TED Talk, where to gain energy, you put your feet about shoulder length apart, you take your hands, you make fists, and you assume the superhero position. Now, I've been doing that, teaching that for a long time, never knew. And once that she validated that, and I tell my audience, go into the bathroom, close the stall, right? And two minutes, do this. And you'll be amazed of when you walk out the amount of energy you have. But I remind them, you do it behind closed doors, right? Because you walk <laughs> in like you're Superman or yeah. Batman or somebody, you know, down here in Texas. I don't know if it happens up your way, but. A lot of people, particularly in a big pickup truck, they back into their spots. You know, it's yeah. just. I know the theory is that you can you can get out easier, you can see better, not to run over someone. But I got to think a lot of those folks. I'm Batman. I got to be ready to get a quick getaway. Uh, but it's like this with what you're talking about. Yeah, you could do that behind closed doors and it's beneficial, but don't, don't do it because, you know, then you're going to have them laughing at you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, as part of that preparation, if I know I've got a 4.30, 5 o'clock meeting with someone, then I better bring that energy. And it could be, I guess, post-COVID when we're, when we're able to get back to some meeting and maybe over dinner or over a cocktail or something, it's maintaining that level of energy and professionalism throughout. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, it's not only being aware of, you talked about the, the real abrasive kind of person on the other side. Mm-hmm. And we talked about you being very uber aware mm-hmm. 
of your own buttons so that they don't they can try to push them, but you you, you basically you've uh, deactivated them. They can they can punch that button all they want you because you're ready. You're not gonna you're not gonna take the bait. Right. But you also have to be. There's a lot of gamesmanship that happens in negotiations, <laughs> and like you know the first offer or the first demand for mm-hmm. what they want you to pay is going to be outlandish. There's a reason for that. Right. It's to set the outside boundaries. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you just get all insulted and react to that because they lowballed you, mm-hmm. you're losing sight of this is a process that is a tactic that they are going to do, but there's a reason they're doing it. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they'll do all kinds of, we talked about smiling, how that mm-hmm. helps. Mm-hmm. They'll do all kinds of uh, facial expressions and verbal cues too to try to throw you off your game or get you to react. You know, you'll say something and they flinch. Mm-hmm. You know, or they make a face or, you know, you can't react to that. You know, you just can't. You just know it's there. They they do the que sera, sera, Doris Day kind of thing. Well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> they they don't mean they don't care. They're just, they're, they're, there's all kinds of that gamesmanship going on. Right. And again, if you walk in and you haven't really thought these things through, you haven't learned about their personality, their quirks. You, you don't know everything you can before you walk in and have planned your strategy. Mm-hmm. You are, you're going to be just like a deer in the headlights or a, a ducks in a pond being shot at. Fish in a barrel, I think you said. Yeah, shooting, like shooting fish in a barrel. So if, if I'm in a room, I got 100 people in a room, I say, how many of you like to negotiate? How many hands do you think go up in the air? Not many. Not, Not many. Because they have this fear. They have this negative thinking, this negative mindset. That they're going to go in there, they're going to be on the hot seat, they're going to have pressure, they may not get what they want, they might not win, they might have to, you know, apologize to their company boss or whatever that they didn't get what they were supposed to get. They put all this pressure on themselves, which is negative energy, mm-hmm. and really, no one will raise their hand if you ask that question. Very few, yeah. very few, but you have to remind them. You're negotiating all the time. This is just maybe a little more formal, mm-hmm. maybe a more prepared, measured kind of way, but it's no different. It's no different than negotiating with car salesmen, negotiating with your cousin who's being really obstinate about a, a family reunion. You know, there's all kinds of negotiation. Take your foot off of your own neck. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because everybody's putting too much pressure on themselves. <laughs> take your take your foot off your own neck. That's a great phrase, and I, I think about that. And I think about you know it's, it's almost like the same thing. I, I'll go if I'm speaking to a group of accountants. I'll say, "How many of you are salespeople?" Very few raise their hands. Right. You, know, you don't think you're selling every day? Everyone's in sales. Everyone's in sales. <laughs> but you know that that connotation of a salesperson. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it's that same negative conversation as as negotiating, and the ability to look at it from a different lens. That we do it all the time. It's part right. of what we do. Let's get better at it. Right. It's it's a process too. It's yeah. It's it's all about relationships, mm-hmm. and you've been doing relationships all your life. And you've you've done well in some, and you've not done well in others. But you know, it's about relationships. It's about gaining rapport. And this is not new. None of this is new. 
It goes back even predates Aristotle. But Aristotle talked about the art of rhetoric, you know, in the in the three types of things that are going on in every conversation, whether it's a sale or whether it's a negotiation or whether it's just talking about the weather with a neighbor at the fence. There's three things going on. You know, there's the ethos or ethos going on. There's the pathos. There's Mm -hmm. the logos. And you just got to get it in the right order. You know, and again, it's not about manipulating. It's about thinking how you're going to present this. You know, if you start out with the logos, which is everything you know, mm-hmm. here's how smart I am, and here's mm-hmm. what I can do for you, and then and here's you know, and people start there. That's starting it backwards, right? Right. You know, there's a, and if you just think it through, that's why being prepared in advance is so important because they are sizing you up when you first start. You've got to come across as credible, as likable, hence the smile we talked about. You know, you're not walking into the party like you were walking in onto a yacht, as the song Your Sylvain talks about. <laughs> you're walking in with your, you know, good posture and, yeah. and confidence, but you're not walking in like you're the smartest thing in the world right. because they're sizing you up. You've got to be prepared for that. You've got to think it through. And then they've got to know the second that how you care about them, that it's not all about you. Right. That you're wanting the best outcome here. You know, contracts, successful contracts or successful outcomes of negotiations, has it can't be onerous or slanted too far one way or the other because it's not going to serve well in a, having a healthy relationship. And if, if you're just wanting a one-off win, then okay. But if you're wanting to have an ongoing relationship, success that comes out of this it's got to be done well. They, you know, again, you don't have to love each other, but you got to respect each other and you got to know that each other cares about the other side. And it just takes a real prepared mindset, if you will. Again, not, not a script. You're not manipulating, but you got to think about it. You can't just go in like Wild Bill Hickok shooting at the <laughs> lights. You said something there that I've never thought about it this way before. But really, negotiating is not a transaction. It's about building relationships. Right. And in my mind, I, I go back to, okay, you mentioned something about going to a, a car sale and negotiating with a car salesman. Well, if I go in with the wrong attitude or poor negotiation or not being friendly or, you know, because they're playing games and I know it, I might. But right. with a different attitude because I'm going to be buying over my lifetime more than one car. Right. So I build the relationship with the salesperson because when I, if that's a good relationship, and we, I, if he's smart or she's smart enough, well, want the best outcome for both of us because then I become a referral service. Right. And also, you know, it, they are going to play games. Well, let me talk to my business manager. <laughs> uh, and they go back there and they talk about last night's ball game, but yeah. they come back, you know. And, <laughs> but if you think about it, the salesperson, They've got a range of commission. Mm-hmm. And when you're getting a better deal, yes, the uh, car company, the dealership has mm-hmm. some margin that, that they can give on. Mm-hmm. But some of it starts cutting into that person's commission a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like you, oh yeah, they're not about to give up a penny of their commission. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and absolutely. so you just get, you know, if you can have a good relationship, they're willing to give up a hundred of their 
of their uh, commission bottom line just to a to get a sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a success for them. They're still making money, uh, but they don't have to fleece you because they like you. Absolutely. I, and I'm walking away with this conversation looking at more negotiations, more about building relationships than anything else. Right. And I, I intuitively know that. However, it was just when it, the, way, the way you phrased it and framed it, I went, that was a, oh, yeah. But again, that's why the prep is so important, because if you let your guard down, and I, I don't mean having a guard where you're not being your authentic self, but right. if, you ha- if you go in and you're, what happens is our human instincts kick in, we do get angry, we do get emotional, we stop being patient, we stop showing as much respect, all that kind of starts happening instinctively as a human being sometimes, <laughs> unless we're really thinking about, okay, this is a person who's going home to a family. You know, I'm not going to attack them personally. I'm going to be firm in what I want mm-hmm. and all of those things. But you really, it's really when you stop seeing them as a human being right. that it goes south. And, and you, you could say, I never do that. Well, your actions seem to be suggesting you're doing that, your words and your tone and all of that, you know. I'm guilty of that at times. I forget that I'm talking to another human. I, yeah, I think sometimes we feel like we're just talking to another number. Right. Uh, and that's not from an accounting kind of, was just to remember that they've got a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, they're going to go that night. And I don't, as a human, I don't want them to have to go home and feel terrible and just be cussing at my name the entire evening. Oh, this margaritas kid. Old right. Man. Margarita's old man. Okay. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we do it all the time in traffic. You know, we, we, we start, we start dehumanizing people when, as soon as we turn the car on, but, but, you know, and, and that's where we you get the road rage happens and the, and the sh- shooting at people, all kinds of things happening on the roads today is because the road rage escalates to that, that, you know, and they cut you off and you react. Maybe they are trying to get to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Because someone's dying or, you know, there's all kinds of maybe they're a jerk, but chances are they didn't intend that. They are just trying to get to where they're trying to get and they've got problems of their day going on. And if we could just step back and realize that and not react, it's no different in negotiations than it is on the 405, you know, or whatever highway. When you stop thinking about them as human beings, it's not going to go well. I'm going to butcher this, but George Carlin had a joke. He said, you ever notice when someone goes flying past John Road, they're they're an idiot. But when, when you're driving behind and they're doing the speed limit, they're a moron. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been better at that road rage negotiation because, you know, my, <laughs> with my wife, my mom, whomever, they're like, I can't believe that idiot. Oh, look, I, it's cutting me off. Where's he going? I said, you don't know what's, what's going on with them. Right. Yeah, they may be. They may have somebody in the hospital that they got to get there, or, or or they're late for an interview, or yeah, and they might just be a jerk. But that's they, uh, But there's less jerks than you think there are, right? You know, there are jerks. <laughs> there we are. Can't, jerks. We can't deny that. But you know, it's like I don't know in Dallas. It's it, that's just the way they drive. It's like everybody has left two days too late to be to the, where they're supposed to be. 
<laughs> two days too late. That's, that's funny. Yeah. So as we begin to wrap up, what advice? So let's say you're talking to someone who's graduated and starting their professional career, and they're now moved up to the level of maybe, let's say, manager, and they're starting that, that ascension. What advice would you give somebody at that level about becoming better to becoming a better negotiator? Well, you know, I think you need to continue learning, as I've said before. Mm. You know, just because you got out of school or just because you got the position, that's just your ticket for admission. You really have to grow at this. You really have got to keep learning. Mm. And I would challenge you to learn everything about persuasion you can, not what it is, what it is not. There's a huge difference in persuasion and manipulation. There's a there's difference in being persuasive and being abrasive. And, you know, go to the the, the thought leaders. Uh, Robert Cialdini, for instance, has written a couple of books. He's, he's the persuasion guy. And he, he's got great stuff to learn from. And realize, you know, that it's not personal. That's the hardest, mm-hmm. I think, is realizing that just because someone is zealously advocating the other side of something doesn't mean they're being personal. It's just to get to a result. And, and, you know, it's about remembering people are human, yes, but also remembering that they're not necessarily attacking you. They're not trying to make it a personal thing. And so it's, it's really about practicing patience, keeping your emotions in check, being kind, you know, there's a Tim McGraw song that I love called Always Be Humble and Kind. And if, you, if you're always humble and kind, it's going to go so much farther, so uh, much farther. I'm just, I'm just making a note of that. Um, it doesn't mean that you're able to be manipulated, mm-hmm. that, you, that you, they're going to get one over on you, but be humble, be kind. And that with the preparation going into it, and the human element, mm-hmm. being likable, all of that's going to take you so far. But it, it goes against our instinctiveness for right. most of us. Most right. of us react. I guess if I could sum it up one, one way, it was to say, respond, don't react. Good point. And by the way, let's talk about thought leaders in this area. You've mentioned the word persuasive versus abrasive. That just happens to be a title of one of your books. So don't sell yourself short <laughs> well, on the thought leader aspect. You know, I, I, that was written in the context of the courtroom. Okay. I, I interviewed 55 judges across the state of Texas and asked them what they see day in, day out. My impression was that people just go in and they're their own worst enemy uh, in the courtroom. And the judges to a judge agreed with that and just talked about the way that they're so abrasive, how they're so unprepared, how they don't listen, how they are attacking of other people. And so they're, they're being, they think they're being persuasive. They think they're showing their brains, they're, they're smarter, they're better. No, they're showing their stupidity. They're showing their, they're not thinking. They're shooting themselves and their client, by the way, in the foot. And so I think that you may not be a lawyer in whatever the negotiation situation is, but abrasiveness is not going to win the day. 
I promise you, you may be the smartest person in the room, but you can't act that way. Well said. And by the way, I would love to have a autograph signed copy of that book, Persuasive versus sure. Christ, and I'd be happy to pay you for it. I know but where you are. You know exactly <laughs> where I am. I, I'll be happy to happy to pay pay you for it. But I just I, I think about reading that book and seeing it from a judge's perspective. I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on on TV. But I think it adds a lot to the conversation. Did you ever see the movie My Cousin Vinny? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's one of my favorite movies. I've seen it over and over. And Fred Gwynn, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Herman Munster is yeah. the judge. Yeah. And you know how he kept having his his staff call to see if this guy really had a license? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was not behaving well. Right. And I had judges tell me that they actually called the state bar on some people because <laughs> they could not believe. So that was such a funny thing from the movie, but it happens in real life. It's wow. nuts. Wow. That is nuts. That is nuts. Well, Ron, thank you so very much for taking time. I, I've loved this conversation. Actually, I'm walking away with more than I walked in with. And I, that's the one thing I love about this podcast. I do that all the time when I'm interviewing people. I thank you. I, I can't wait till we can actually have a beer or something else. Face sure. to face. Sure. Not not there to, might be an occasion for that. Um, I, there might be. You know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna return a little bit of the um, compliments here, Peter. I've done podcasts, I've been interviewed before, and I will say this, you listen really well. You know, I I've known so many podcasters that they they've got a list of questions, they've got their agenda, they want to get this recorded, they want to get it produced, they want to get it boom put out there. But, you know, you, you didn't script me. We didn't plan ahead. We just came in, had a conversation. And what I would say is you listen really well. And I think that's why your podcast is probably so successful. I, I thank you very much. I will honestly say that I have worked on becoming a better listener for a long time. And I fail a lot. But for the most part, I'm getting it right more often than not because I've invested that time in, into it. Because I know yeah, I've, hey, I've been known to teach listening and I come home and my wife tells me I still haven't mastered it. Well, well you know, there, there's, a, there's a difference between, I tell people I, I'm a great improviser in the business world, but when I come home, I'm probably the worst. Yeah, I think it's a common problem with us guys, especially. I, yeah, I think so. So I hope, because when we started, before we started recording, mentioned I hope this heavy snow that's scheduled to come into your area dissipates before it hits. Well, it usually does. We get our hopes up that we're going to get to build a snowman. (laughs) We get maybe a little powder that melts, but, you know, but hey, maybe we will. I love snow because I live in Texas and seldom see it. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Russ. I, I look forward to when our paths cross, hopefully in the near future. Thank you. I can't thank Russ enough for sharing his stories and wisdom as it relates to the art and skill of negotiating. I took away a number of nuggets during this interview that I'm applying immediately. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I will conclude with an improv quote that's fitting for this interview. Listening is not merely hearing. Listening is reacting. Listening is being affected by what you hear. Listening is active. Stay positive. 
test negative, everyone. Be safe. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.